You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everybody. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm one of the senior pastors here at Westside Church. We're excited to have you online as well as in the room with us today. I do have a quick announcement uh, that I hope brings you as much joy as it brings me. In light of community, and we're going to talk more about community today, we've been talking about it for the last three weeks. We want to let you know that there are a couple events that are foundational kind of cornerstones, especially in the summer season to our church, and they're coming back this year. We're having youth summer camp August 15th through the 17th out of Washington Family Ranch. Uh, it's back, it's back, it's back. Um, we're so excited. Yeah, go ahead and cheer for that. Your kids need it. Uh, that's happening at Washington Family Ranch. The, the registrations go live, not tomorrow, but a week from Monday. So make sure that you jump on that as quickly as possible. There is a, a limited amount of students we're going to be able to bring. It's a, still a really large amount, but it is limited. So we would love for you to get in on that at an early bird price. We're also bringing back the first week of August Vacation Bible School uh, for small children to be ho hosted here at Westside. So it's, it's happening a little bit. Uh, I'm really grateful for everything that we've learned and been through and how we've kind of been creative with community. I'm also really grateful to be able to have things like summer camp again because I want uh, to go on the water slides at Washington Family Ranch. That's really the whole goal. Uh, so you can look forward to that. And then one last thing, immediately after this, we've actually made a couple of new hires uh, since COVID started that many of you haven't met. Uh, we have a family pastor who leads our kids and family ministry. His name's Josh Cordell. Uh, he's actually been on with us for about six months now, and not many people know. Um, and we've, we've also hired a new generations kind of production coordinator as well. If you want to meet those people immediately after this service, you can. We're just having a quick meet and greet in the cafe right out here. Uh, excuse me, not in the cafe, in the family commons right out here. If you just want to go, say hi, ask a couple questions about where we're going and, and how our kids and youth ministry might look in the near future. That is the place to do it immediately following this gathering. All right. Uh, so we've been talking about community for the last three weeks. We talked about created community, a covenant community, a preview community, and today we're going to talk about an engaged community. We've discussed these other elements of community for the last three weeks, and these talks have centered around who and what the church really is and should be. A created community communicates our birth and origin story. A covenant community describes our commitment to each other and to God. A preview community shows us how our worship and our love for each other bring heaven to earth. And now we're going to talk about engaged community, a fourth and final volume in the series that will provide a funnel for the excess energy, love, and grace intended for the greater community and city that we live in. Now, I want to do some of you a favor as we get started here and help you understand that my message on an engaged community is not going to be 20 minutes of, let me show you how to share your faith on a four-floor elevator ride as quickly and effectively as possible. Um, in Bend, it might have to be a two-floor, uh, three-floor. I don't know how, what's the highest elevator that goes up in Bend. I'm not really sure. Um, it's not about that. It's not about how to sell your faith, and it's not even about how to preach on your nearest street corner. I don't even really want to talk specifically about the idea of witnessing, right? Now, witnessing is important. I believe that we should all be able to share our faith. And if it's important to you, if it's important to us, it's a huge part of your life. You should be able to communicate clearly why faith in Jesus does for you what it does, how it's changed and impact your life, who and what you believe. These are important tools that you should absolutely 100% have. But I want us to focus more than instead of just learning how to witness, which can be a little bit more shallow than I believe we should be. I want us to focus on learning how to bear witness with our lives, what Jesus has done 
and what he will continue to do. And so it takes us out of a little bit, at least that my effort is going to be to take us out of kind of a salesman mentality. How many of you have ever felt a little bit like a salesman when it comes to sharing your faith, right? I grew up in, in an environment where sometimes we were taught like, all right, how do, how do you share your faith and spread the gospel and increase the kingdom? Is, is going door to door and knocking on the doors and as quickly as possible, asking them the right questions so they can respond in the right way. And then you bring them to this moment uh, where they're on their knees, weeping, just kidding. That wasn't the goal. Um, the way it can feel like this, right? You're, or sometimes you're out on the, on the golf course with some of your buddies and you're like, you know what? I just really feel like I just need to like share with them my faith in Jesus. And, uh, and so you kind of launch into almost this sales pitchy thing of like, if you give your life to Christ before the 10th hole, uh, it's gonna come with a copy of the gospel of John as well as a red Gatorade at the turn in order to remind you of the greatness and the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus. And actually, if you, if you commit yourself to Christ right now, we'll throw in the book of Matthew as well with a family tree of Jesus, as well as a spot at our Sunday morning gathering and an opportunity to awkwardly greet people at a moment where the worship pastor says, why don't you look at somebody and say, hello? <laughs> no, thank you, is what we really want to say. That's not what this is all about. I want us to veer away from checking off the box of being able to witness to people or shout at people from a street corner, uh, preaching, and absolutely that 100% happened in the New Testament narrative. Peter preached to large gatherings on streets, and that is going to be a gifting that some of us have, but I understand not all of us have that. And so instead of focusing on this surface level witnessing idea as far as engaged community, I want us to focus on our lives, bearing witness in the environments that we live in, in order to commit the way of Jesus. Now, along with that, I also want you to know that bearing witness is, is not about a faith sales pitch, and it's not about a sales pitch for Westside Church either. Community engagement isn't a condemnation of those around us, and I'll prove it to you. Jesus says in John chapter 3, right, verse 17, we love John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And then he goes on to say, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I like how Paul says it in Romans chapter two, verse four. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you or us from our sin? Engaged community is about making the grace and the love of Christ as abundantly clear as possible. And I want to challenge you with this idea. If we're to do this as well as we possibly can, if we're really to show off Jesus and communicate his love and his forgiveness and his mercy as clearly as possible, I am a big believer that we need to change the way that we look at and even use the word world. Have you noticed that in a lot of Christian circles and maybe in your own heart and life, because I've felt this in myself as well, that the word world has become a bit of a cuss word for Christians. Well, you know what the world thinks and the, the way the world does and the way of the world, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and the world is doing this and that. And Jesus very clearly states, I so love the world. How can the church hate something, especially so outwardly hate something that God has professed so much to love? This can make following Jesus very difficult because it's easy to assign teams. They're on the world team, we're on the Jesus team. We try to combat them and just Red Rover, Red Rover, bring as many unsafe people on over as we can. 
but we're kind of keeping to us and we've developed this idea that even Paul's world that we are not of this world means that we kind of hide and we seclude ourselves away from the bad people that are on the other side. But Jesus's messaging is different from that. Jesus is a little bit like hanging out with somebody. Maybe you've done this before because I've actually seriously done exactly this. And it wasn't about this specific situation, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway so as not to, uh, to out the person that I, I shamed over brunch. But uh, sometimes we have these conversations about things that maybe we don't like, right? Have you ever talked about avocado toast with somebody? And you're like, yeah, avocado toast. You know, all these millennials with their hip. How does it cost $7? They just ground up the avocado. I just saw them. And then they just throw it on top of some warmed up bread. Can you, I just can't. And then all of a sudden the person's looking at you and they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then their plate comes and it's avocado toast. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. You're an avocado toaster. How can, and sometimes we have these conversations with Jesus, right? Maybe even in our, our prayer moments where we're going, God, you just need to do this with this group of people. And these people are talking like this and speaking like this. And God, you got to come down and you got to eliminate this. You got to, and then Jesus's plate comes and he goes, oh, I love those people though. Actually a big fan of the world. And if we're to actually engage in the world, and again, just like Jesus said, we're not coming into the world to bring all this condemnation, but instead we're coming in to allow it to be saved, to bring salvation and hope and grace and mercy, then we have to be able to willing, be willing to consider the world in a different light. And this is gonna give us the framework. Some of you know this as the Great Commission. It'll give us the framework for the rest of this message. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And it says in Acts chapter one, verse seven, in the message translation, he says, he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you will get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus having a conversation with his disciples on how to be an engaged community. So the first thing that I want you to understand that we have to do if we're to engage with the world and the community around us is that we need to have a desire to identify our neighborhood's needs. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even the other most parts of the world. I love that Jesus starts with the neighborhood and the hometown of these disciples that are listening to his words. It starts immediately around you. It's easy to get caught up in a narrative that continually pushes our fear and our eyes into national and international problems, which is something to be considered and it's something to be concerned with and something to be in tune with and join the conversation. But I want you to understand that it's easy if you simply keep your eyes way out here, it's easy to never engage with the immediate issues that surround your home, your streets, your family, and your city. I wonder what would happen if we as a Christian community and as a church community didn't always feel the need to jump onto social media and to grandstand about different issues. Instead, we were willing to engage with the leaders and the city council members and people that are our neighbors and friends and people that are not our friends and ask the question, how can I come and fill the gap in a thing that is tangible and necessary right immediately around me? 
I was coaching uh, my son's baseball team this last, this yesterday, this last yesterday. And uh, my son is six. And so when I say coach, uh, I think you know what I mean. Coaching is a loose term. And uh, what we use in these, uh, the, I think it's called peewees, the peewee level, the six-year-old level, is they have these like trebuchets, these little catapults that you're supposed to put the ball in. And instead of coaches pitching, you put the ball in there and then you launch a thing and then it, um, you try to make it not hit the kid. You know, but they're a little... They're a little difficult to manage sometimes. They can be kind of unpredictable, really good for five pitches, and then you can be drilling little Susie who doesn't want to play baseball anyway and smack her right in the back. It's a, it's a tough thing. And so there's a lot of parents at this game. They're like lining up outside this fence just down the first baseline and down the third baseline. And we're in the middle of the first inning, and I'm up there trying to pitch to this, this other team, and the balls are kind of going in all over the place, and I'm getting frustrated. And what do you know? I hear some folks down the first baseline. Hey, you got to fix that, coach. Hey, hey, you got to make it just, my kid can't hit that. That's too high. And I'm going, look, I don't think your kid can hit anyway. <laughs> you put him up here, down here, right here. You should be happy I'm intentionally walking this child. <laughs> my goodness. And it's so easy, right? It's faceless. We're even all wearing masks. You know, they're on the other side of the fence. I'm someone that they don't know and there's an issue going on and they feel like it particularly is attacking something that belongs to them. And so we start shouting it out. This is the problem. Why can't you do this? Fix that. Jump out. I'm going, hey, we had volunteer signups like a month ago. Now, clearly you got some time on your hands. You want to jump in here again? Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I didn't think so. You know what? Sometimes the church can get a reputation for things like this. Again, well, you know, the world does this. And why is this a problem? And this is happening. And all these issues and problems and the secular people are going to do the blah, blah, blah. Maybe instead of trying to come up with ideas of how we can propagate this crazy message that we have for social media or from any soapbox that we can stand up in our city. If we begin to look around and go, there is a problem and God didn't just send his word. He didn't just send his spirit. He didn't just send an idea of a gospel, but he sent a person and that person exists within proximity and with an ability to begin to help the people in the neighborhoods immediately around me. It's a responsibility that we have to not reach for a weapon of overt communication that really just skims the surface, but for us to be able to engage in depth with the people around us is what God is calling us to. The next thing is this. We got to eliminate in our minds and in our hearts this idea of scarcity. I am a firm believer that sometimes in my own life, I don't want to celebrate the wins of other people in my life because I feel like that somehow gives me a loss. I'll say it again. I'm reluctant to celebrate the wins in other people's life because I feel like somehow that gives me a loss. I love that when the angels showed up after Jesus was born, they said, there's this gospel, it's this good news and it's for all people. There's this eternal amount of grace and love and forgiveness that is available for all of us, not just those who hustle, not just those who say the right things, not just those who are born on the right side of the tracks, but it is available for everyone at this moment. Am I the only one who's ever felt like when something goes wrong with somebody in my social circle that I feel a little bit better about myself? How terrible is this? And maybe I'm the only one, but I'm gonna preach it anyway. 
clearly between Little League Baseball and some of these issues with my friends, I need a counselor and you guys are the closest thing. <laughs> Something goes wrong and I go, well, I've never dealt with that. Huh. Good job, me. Ooh, and it's this scarcity. There's only so much success to go around. And so I know that I have mine because they don't necessarily have theirs. And I don't want to come along and celebrate too much with this person because then all of a sudden I'll feel like I got left behind. Celebrating with our city when it comes to its successes, when it comes to its people and its culture does not mean that the church has been left behind or that we've been left behind as individuals. We got to celebrate with our neighborhoods and our communities and get rid of this idea that there's only so much to go around. Now, this is the third and the final one, and this is, this is my favorite one. I saved my favorite for last, just like with my avocado toast. There's always a piece, big fan, by the way, of the avocado toast. Um, there's always like a bigger piece of avocado right on set, so I work around it. So that's one last megabyte in, a, ooh, in Jesus' name. The last, my favorite point is this, we need to make every place sacred. Make every place sacred. Be sure of this, it says at the end of Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We can have this idea that we are waiting for very specific moments and places in life in order to experience the holiness and the presence of God. And I'll repent for church if you've had this experience because we sing a lot of these songs and we've preached a lot of these messages where we say if we do X, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. That's when God shows up and make himself evident and clear. And that has reverberations that are incredibly negative in our lives. I work with a lot of young adults and a lot of young adults are like, I need to make this decision because I want it to be the right one so that I can live this perfect life or this life that's in the will of God if they're a Christian or that's purposeful. And I wanna make sure that I make all the right decisions along the way so that I can stay right there in that vein. As if God is looking at us as if like, kind of like we watch athletics, right? Where we're looking from above on this camera going, oh, he's open. Oh, look at that. You should have done that. Oh my gosh, the decision making like God does this with our lives. And he goes, oh, oh, you should have taken Revere. You took Colorado instead. You'd be married by now. <laughs> oh, you would have had the job. I mean, we'll figure this thing out, but it's going to take a few years of misery to get back. God's so worried about it. And we take the wrong exit, the wrong moment. I'm not saying that there aren't good and bad decisions to be made, but I'm telling you, if we really believe in this Holy Spirit thing, if we believe in this Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again for our salvation thing, then we must be confident and excited and engaged with the fact that the presence of God goes with us wherever we go. There is no holy place and unholy place anymore. Now, the problem with that is that it puts the pressure on us to understand because God goes with us that every single moment is precious and it's beautiful. It doesn't matter if you're putting your kids to bed or you're planning your finances. You're considering what the next year is. You're in the middle of the biggest struggle of your life. All these things are holy moments. We want our weddings to be holy moments. We want the birth of our children to be holy moments. We want the big job to be a holy moment. And really what we have is these mountaintop things. And even when you climb to a physical mountaintop, a lot of times we have this experience, this euphoria. And I'm a really big believer. It's not because the presence of God shows up with us at those moments. It's because we finally become aware that the presence of God has been with us this whole time. 
What would happen with a church community that is stopping, that is not waiting anymore for this mega moment to happen where we go, oh, that was a God moment. And we realize that when we walk around that, when we speak and when we breathe and when we encouragement, that when we encourage, these are holy, sacred, beautiful moments that walk with us in every single step of our lives. We as a church have to stop waiting for the right thing and understand that God is walking with us and that makes it so, even in the times that it doesn't seem so. When we eliminate these specific areas of holy moments and we become aware of the presence of God in every moment, all of a sudden, it's not about the church physically in our city at this one place on this one hill. And it's not about this perfect opportunity and conversation. Instead, it's about this long, obedient, faithful walk with God and with those around us. So I wanna encourage you today, stop waiting for this perfect holy moment because you're in one now. Here's the best news. I definitely don't wanna preach a, a message that says we're gonna talk about engaged community. I'm gonna tell you how wrong and how bad we're currently doing it. I do wanna remind you that Westside is really pushing as hard as we can uh, into this idea and truth of the necessity of community. It's not just a four-part sermon series. You're gonna see this inundated in everything that we do, this idea of community, because I really believe, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, I really believe that we have a problem with community. We're good at many aspects of it, but we fall short with many of them as well. And it's been tough because it's been COVID and it's been this and restrictions and different feelings and politics and all this kind of stuff. I've been talking to a lot of people that have arrived in town over the last year, year and a half, and they've asked me, they come from the South, they come from the East Coast, they come from the Midwest, and they go, is it a Bend thing or is it a West Side thing for people to just be like cold? And I'm like, well, it's kind of a Northwest thing. <laughs> and you can perfectly agree with me or not, but I'm telling you there are so many people that are even walking into our church community that are not feeling like this space was meant for warmth and engagement. Instead, it's made for inspiration and exit. I think we can do better. Well, I've got community. I found somebody. All right, let's make it as warm as we can for everybody else not just to make friends or to have Bible studies, but to be able to engage with each other in a way that helps all of us understand in a better way the way of Jesus. But here's the good news, all right? Now this list is incredibly short and it's not complete, but you'll get the idea, I hope. You are already doing much of this. If you have a heart that is not purely about yourself, that is seeking after the goodness of others and you are serving the underprivileged, you're coaching youth, you're educating children, you're learning customers' names in order to, to try to bring a brightness or a place, a home into their lives. You're involved in local politics. You're giving to a collective movement, decide for good, something like the church, creating a time for, and place for difficult conversations. If you're seeking justice in ju unjust places, if you're asking local leaders how I can help, if you're cutting a neighbor's yard, writing resources, promoting mental health, performing your trade with integrity, sacrificing the, your good for the great in others, listening to another voice when you're sure that you're right and they're wrong. If you're doing any of these things, and by the way, the list could go on and on and on and on and on, you're already engaging in community. 
Now, we want to do it as a church together, and there are things that we do collectively, like for the city, that are incredibly valued and important, where we pour all of our resources and our time into this one movement, and it's incredible and beautiful. The most sustainable thing is that each and every single one of us would identify the holy moment that we live in right now. And we understand that when we give ourselves away, there goes the gospel with it. And the kingdom of God expands and peace and hope is brought to a community. Let's pray. Father God, we want to be more aware of your presence. Lord, we repent of this almost constant, if you would just come, Lord, if your presence would just be here, if you would just speak, if you would just... And Lord, we love those moments where we can feel almost that tangible presence. But Lord, I pray that we would repent from simply seeking out just those moments and we would understand the power of every moment because you walk with us. So Lord, as we walk our, our, our streets, as we go to lunch, as we interact with folks that we don't know and those that we do know, as we go back to work, as we strategize and we plan our finances and we consider what the next moment, hour, week, your lifetime will be, Jesus, I pray that we would understand that those are all holy places and moments. And from these holy moments, we would engage the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray.